Thank you, uh, too, for helping lead us in worship, uh, Jordan. And um, Brooke, thank you so much for sharing. That was It was so encouraging to get your um, video. And this is a psalm that I've been really excited to um, look at for that, for that verse that you shared as well, to taste and see that the Lord is good. I think, um, man, I just woke, wake up every day, read that, and then think, how today am I going to taste and see? Am I going to remember how good my God is? It would change my my day. Um, I'm excited to continue to look at that for a little while together. Uh, and I, I think it's it's uh, always, obviously, always a good verse to look at. We are in a um, series in Psalms. It's actually uh, one of our last weeks. Next week is our last Psalm uh, together. Uh, well, you could keep reading the Psalms. You don't have to stop reading Psalms. I'm sure we'll read them more. But um, as a church, the series of Psalms will end. And we're actually going to uh, start in two weeks our our short series in Second Peter, Growing in Grace. We're going to uh, look at Second, open up Second Peter for the month of August before we kick off uh, another series this fall. And um, so, I encourage you to continue reading those Psalms. And excited for two two of our last Psalms. Um, and today, looking at Psalm. 34. And part of it is because if you if you are someone who hops on social media stuff, we get a lot of these, right? You get a lot of 2020 stinks, things are not good, right? I think I'm that girl on the carousel gif is still one of the best ways to explain how I'm feeling some days. Like I'm just holding on. I'm, it's spinning me around. Should I even still be holding on? I, what's even going on? Is that girl asleep? Is she passed out? Is she just maybe she's enjoying it? Maybe it's fun. Um, it, though it, it does feel like it does feel though like often. I don't know if it's more right now than normal, but it feels like discussion when when you're at. If if I happen to go pick something up at Target. And I'm in line, you know, the discussion is usually weather. In Minnesota, we talk, hey, it's cold out. Yeah, it's cold out. But now it's just like, man, things are not good, are they? It just seems like one thing after another. And as even Brooke shared, I say the same thing. I say even that same phrase of like, well, of course, uh, of course, you know, for them, we find out we're pregnant and then we find out COVID and then. I still have now this back pain and it just keeps going. Things just feel not good. Um, and so I, I really think this, this Psalm is really important. And I, uh, I think Brooke hits it right on the head that we have to look to this right now. Always we have to look to this. Um, and so I'm excited to look at Psalm 34 and, and look a little bit uh, uh, more in it um, also. So let's look, I'm just going to read the first uh, nine verses, that's all we're going to look at. And thankfully, Brooke read that for us. And so um, we're just going to look at these real quick. And I want to focus really on that verse eight. So here's um, uh, Psalm 34. And look at what does it look like to live a life that doesn't just feel like, man, everything's not good. Um, and I think I think uh, Psalm 34 helps us see that. It says, I will extol or bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will I will glory in the Lord. 
Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I love that. Call like, he's, he's like, come on, everybody. We got to bless the Lord. We got to glorify his name together. Let's do this. It's, he's so good. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Just that's ama amazing, right? That, that moving towards the Lord actually delivers us from fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. That passage again, this psalm is just saying, look at what God has done. I have cried out. This poor man has cried out and God heard me. And he came and he saved me out of my troubles. What a, what a gospel verse, verse six. A poor man, a sinner cries out to God and he comes and rescues him from his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Right, he, This whole psalm is building this. God has done these great things, has delivered and rescued his people. He has taken away their fears. We must rejoice in how good our God is. And then eight, it just builds to this taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Taste and see. I love uh, I love the, the language in this. I love that um, it's this very, very uh, tangible thing. Like it's not a feel in your essence that maybe God is good. It's a experience, right? It's a, it's a, thi a thing we do. We taste, actually experience him, taste it, see it around you. How can you not say the Lord is good? Taste how good he is. And then when that happens, you want to take refuge in him because you realize he's the one who's good. He's the one we're looking for. Right? We see this all over scripture, uh, a, a similar phrasing that we must see what God's doing or we observe what God is doing. And it's good. Right? We're seeing the wonders of God's goodness and we experience those and it, we, it draws us in him. Even if we didn't personally experience it. We still hear the stories of it. This is the essence of why um, we're doing this Psalm 136 project for this, this next week, uh, is that that Psalm just lists a bunch of stuff God has done and says how good he is. And I think in our own lives, how important is that, right? We see throughout scripture, uh, this, this story of God's people uh, uh, in the flood and the rainbow at the end that promises uh, uh, life forever with him. We hear this experience of a burning bush talking to a man named Moses. What a wild moment that forever he'll cling to and remember how good God is. We see God rescuing his people through the Red Sea. We see just a few soldiers defeating enormous armies of people. We see a boy defeat a giant. And we see ultimately the Son of God humbling himself to come and die for us and rescue us. And we can say, oh, we have tasted and we have seen how good God is. We said throughout scripture, the same kind of um, way this happens over and over. And what stinks is often after that, we see people turn away from God. Um, if you read like the book of Judges, you see this, this pattern of like, we see and we taste how good God is. He is good. Maybe that, maybe that thing though would taste better or look better we, and, and we move that way, right? And then we 
have to come back to God. Well, I think that that's what I want to think about today. What, why do we not taste and see? How does it look like to not taste and see that that the Lord is is good? And not, it's not necessarily that we God isn't good. It's maybe what we're tasting and seeing, what we're looking to, and so we become grumblers. Before we get there, I want to look at uh, a passage that is very interesting when you think about this phrase of tasting and seeing, and that is all the way back in Genesis in the beginning. Now, in the beginning of Genesis, we hear this word good, that the Lord is good, and we hear it actually the Lord saying this phrase. We hear over and over that God um, creates the world out of nothing. He, he, he takes chaos and creates order. Darkness creates light. T- takes dirt and makes it into life. He creates people, right? And after he does all these things, birds, animals, all the things around him, he says, these are good. These are good. These are good. And why are they good? Because the Lord is good who created them. And he created these good things and put his people in there with him and said, this is good and this is right. And he actually tells his people, you can go anywhere you want and eat from anything. All of this amazing, tasty fruit and whatever else, right, is in this in this garden with you. Uh, I can't imagine what like perfect, not broken, not under the curse fruit tastes. I mean, I already think a pineapple is so amazing. How could it be any better, right? It, he says, no, you, can't, you can eat all of this except there is one tree. I'm asking you in your obedience to me and your faithfulness to me to not eat of this one. But everything else, right? He says this. He says, taste and see, right? Of all things, except he's one. He's just asking for obedience from them. And then what happens? You know, now, we want to see the language here is really interesting. In um, Genesis 3, um, this is from Genesis 3, not Psalm not Psalm 34, like it says. Um, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this is now not God, but his adversary, right? The Satan, his adversary. We we talked about this weeks ago as we looked at Satan uh, when we were looking at Job. He comes up and now says, did God really say you can't eat from any garden? He's just starting to, to drop these hints and start to get us to just start gazing away a little bit um, from God. Is God really good? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. So she just said, no, God said we can eat. All this is good, but he just said this one tree we can't eat. And actually, he doesn't want us to eat it because he doesn't want us to die. You will not certainly die. So there we go. Here we go. Here's the first step, right? The first, the lie. Well, God is lying to you. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good from evil. He says, God isn't good. He just wants to hold on to all the power. He wants all of it. And he doesn't want you to have it. And he doesn't want you to be like him. You, though, could be a God. You could 
take refuge in yourself. You could be the one who's good and, and, and right and, and, and true and powerful. God just doesn't want to give that to you. He wants all the power, which all of a sudden now, now we're saying, I don't think God is good. Now listen to this phrasing. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, or in some translations, looked delicious or would have tasted good, right? And it was pleasing to the eye. So when it looked like it would be good to taste, and I could see it and it looked good. So good to taste and see, right? And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So they eat this together. They taste and see of the tree, the one tree God says, hey, stay away from that, it will kill you. Then their eyes are both, of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They tasted and saw what was not good for them. And what happened? The, the first thing that happens, they realize they're naked. Before this, there was no shame. There was nothing wrong. There was, all of a sudden they go, oh, ooh. I, all of a sudden they're thinking about themselves and what they look like and and they, they it doesn't feel right. And so they go to cover themselves up. So they tasted and saw what was not good. And so we have this moment where not only do we have an opportunity to taste and see what is good, we also can taste and see what is not good. And we start believing this lie, right? And so we have this uh, switch of Psalm 34 that we see from the beginning and we see throughout all of time and still today, right? And we get to decide which one of these we live in. Do we want to taste and see that not of the Lord is not good, which is, I think, often what I, why I'm posting on social media, hashtag, you know, pandemic, because I'm so sick of this thing. And, and I can spend all day saying, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. This is not of the Lord. This is not good. So we can say, taste and see, not of the Lord is not good. Blessed not is the one who takes refuge in himself, right? The, the flip of this verse I think we can feel that and we can see that and that curse that happens just flows like a mighty river through history, right? And we just all get caught up in that. And so it's really hard to see what's good. And instead, we could be people who cling to Psalm 34 and say, no, I'm going to taste and I'm going to see the Lord is good. And blessed is the one who takes refuge to him. And I think this is really important, actually really important because something happens when we become people who, who only dwell on those things that we're tasting and seeing that are not of God. Those things that we can see are broken, right? After that, Adam and Eve uh, leave the garden. God says, uh, you can't be in here. You've sinned. You've become disobedient. You've created yourselves as gods. You you want to follow yourself, right? You're going to take refuge in yourself now instead of me. And now throughout all of history, we have that happen over and over and over and over and over and over, right? People are saying, I'm good. Taste and see that I'm good and find out they're not. And they take refuge in themselves and they're not. And we see things crumble and fall and things are broken and people are hurt over and over and over and over. And thankfully, God comes 
Jesus comes and he rescues and he pulls us out of that cycle. And one day he'll make, he'll make the garden again, but this time a city. And this time we're together forever. And this time we're not going to mess the things up because we're with God and he's going to redeem all those things. But until then, we live in this time where we feel the not so good and we can see the good. And, and I think the not so good is easy to overcome us. In fact, there's a, um, an old, uh, an old uh, theologian. I'm going to actually move to this. Let me move this first. This Philippians verse first, because this is where I want us to kind of land as we uh, as we move to what does it look like now to be people who taste and see. Um, in, in Philippians two, uh, we just heard about that Jesus has humbled himself, has come, has died even on a cross to rescue people, and has been uh, ascended and sits on his throne. Like we hear the gospel. Then it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. This this, uh, grumbling, arguing, this idea of being um, complainers is something that I think can be uh, almost celebrated in our culture that to be someone who says like, you know what, maybe, maybe that person is just having a hard day. You're like, come on, let's all trash them, right? They're garbage. We, we want to quickly go to like, let's complain. Let's, let's talk about how bad things are. Let's quickly make enemies of people and we can all, you know, heap things on them. We want to be grumblers. We want to say, yeah, this is not good. Oh, and this is not good. And guess what else is not good. That's not good. We, it, there's this, tendency to want to say, not good, that's not good, that's not good, that's not good, right? And in Philippians and other places in scripture, it calls us to not be grumblers. And there's a reason. There's an old, as I was saying, an old um, theologian, uh, Jeremiah Burroughs, which just sounds like an old guy name. Um, he, he actually writes uh, about what happens when we grumble and why it's so important that we consider if we're celebrating the good what God has done, or are we just complaining and grumbling about the bad? He, here's, here's a few of the things he says. I'm just going to quickly go through my, these are very uh, helpful for me. First, he says, when we grumble, we actually model Satan. When we grumble, he just right out of the gates, he goes after it. He says, we grumble, we model Satan. We're actually saying, hey, God maybe isn't good. We're saying, look at this creation around us. Eh. Whoever made this, I don't know. I don't know if they know what they're doing. And so we're actually modeling Satan in Genesis 3 and saying, I don't know if God knows what he's doing. As we complain about all those things around us. It says it's con- he says it's contrary to who we are. You are created as a son and a daughter of God who has created you great things and good things and bring goodness and justice and peace and joy to those around you. And we're grumblers. We're not carrying those things with us. We're not bearing an image of God. We're not looking like Jesus who came to sinners to save them. We look like sinners coming to heap more sin on each other. He says it's the opposite of prayer. It's, this one's interesting. He says, instead of saying, oh God, how, how good you are and I, I need you. I love you. Help me with this. There's, right? You can You could say, God, this doesn't seem right. This is Something's wrong. We see that all over the Psalms, right? We can lament, but he says it's the opposite of prayer. We're actually going to other people 
um, or just to ourselves and we're just saying, ugh, all this stuff is messed up. There's no, there's not prayer there. There's not a hopefulness. There's not even like a willingness to say, God, I need God to do these things. We're kind of saying this stuff's bad and maybe saying, I hope I can do something about it. But we're, we're not actually praying, communing with God to solve problems. We're just exposing problems. He says, I love this one. It's just simply a waste of time. What is, what does it get us sitting, grumbling? What does it get us? It's a waste of our time. I've felt that before. You ever felt that you're hanging out with people. Remember when we used to hang out with people like we'd sit in the same place. Oh man, that was good. Okay. I'm not going to grumble about this. Remember you sit together and you happen to sit down at a table. And as you sit down, like everyone's in a heated grumble match. They're just this stinks. Yeah, this stinks. Yeah, that stinks. Can you believe what that person said? And you're like, I think I'm going to sit somewhere else. Because it's a waste of your time, right? Just two more here. He says, it worsens your sufferings and afflictions. You're actually heaping on more suffering by just talking about how much suffering is, how much afflictions there are, how bad things are. We're actually just adding to it. We're contributing to it in our own selves. We're not moving towards it or moving out of it. If you remember a few weeks back in Psalm 126, we, we heard that if we plant our suffering, if our tears are planted and we use gospel gardening, right? We, we, we uh, cultivate that soil. We actually, with the, remember this, with the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God. Um, if that happens, we actually grow joy. But if we plant our tears and then we just feed it more tears, you're going to harvest what? Wet mud, tear mud? I don't know. So he's saying this is actually making it worse. You, you may not, you may feel like, oh, if I just keep complaining, it's going to get better. Not necessarily. So the last one he says, which is the one I'm um, encouraged by and convicted by, uh, maybe the most. I love how he says this too. He says, it wears the hopeless costume of pessimism. It wears the hopeless costume of pessimism. It's like we're putting on a costume that's just sad guy. It just says things are bad. It's hopeless. I don't know. It's hopeless. Which again, as our identity and us knowing the truth and us have tasted and seen what God can do isn't true. And so now we're projecting to the people around us, there is no hope. It's, it's done. Who, who cares? Um, and so we are not actually being light and salt to those around us. I think it's so important. Not only is our grumbling, our not tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and, and seeing how that plays out in grumbling. I think not only is that hurtful to us, it's really hurtful to those around us. Uh, the people we love, but also really, um, really hurtful to those who don't know and have not tasted and seen because they're not going to taste and see the Lord if we don't share that with them. There's two ways um, this week that I have experienced this. I've tasted and seen and been encouraged to be a person who doesn't put on the hopeless costume of pessimism, right? But puts on like a hope-filled costume of the good news that there is hope that there is love that there is justice and joy one of those is actually in a children's book um 
that I'm excited to share with you in a moment. And another one is just in hearing the story of the lives of some people who I think have done this. Well, so first I want to share with you um, this this special book. Um, this book is written by Ellie Holcomb. Uh, Ellie Holcomb is uh, the wife of Drew Holcomb and in the band, Drew Holcomb, uh, if anyone knows, and the neighbors. Uh, it's a, a band I enjoy, but she also writes these great children's books um, and often has the opportunity to, to share the gospel in their concerts and music. I, I'm always encouraging them, but I, I've loved this book this week. Um, and sometimes a children's book like just gets to it in a way that a 300 page theological study just didn't for me. And this book this week reminds me, we're talking about using the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God. This is one where the people of God, Ellie and the spirit of God combined uh, and reminded me of how much around me each day I can taste and see. And so I w- I'm actually want to share that book with you. Uh, if you want to cuddle up on your couch or if you have coffee or if you want to grab your favorite stuffed animal, I just want to read you a book for a second. Just takes a moment. It's a short kid's book. Uh, just enjoy this. Visually enjoy it. See it. But also just taste like be reminded of how good God really is. So this is um, Don't Forget to Remember by Ellie Holcomb. Did you know creation is talking to you? Wherever you go and whatever you do, the earth will keep giving you clue after clue. So you won't forget to remember what's true. Like every day when the sun rises high, the warmth that you feel is God's love by your side. And just like the birds, you keep humming their tune. Remember God sings songs of joy over you. When you catch the snowflakes that fall from the sky, each of them whisper, you're one of a kind. And after the winter and cold are all through, the flowers remind you, God makes all things new. When a colorful rainbow peeks out through the rain, don't forget to remember, God's love stays the same. On glad days and sad days, God's near and he knows he can use any storm to make good things grow. When you can't see the end of an ocean so blue, remember God's love never runs out on you. And just like a sailboat that fills up with wind, we feel most alive when we're filled up with him. Don't forget to remember you're never alone, no matter if you are up high or down low. And as sure as the sun will keep rising above, don't forget to remember that you're dearly loved. I think it's my favorite one, the, the bear and the tea party. Man, I love it. So just like the stars won't forget how to shine, don't forget to remember that all the time. God's light will guide you wherever you go, and you're loved from the top of your head to your toes.
Let the whole world, earth, remind you of what God has said from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. And even on days you forget what is true, don't forget to remember, God won't forget you. Mm, I want to be in those hammocks with those animals. Um, that That's a, right, a simple book. I read that book. I tear up this week, I think. Gosh, look around me. Sun's out. There's trees. I'm with my family, friends, in, in, enjoying a lake. I, I'm reading the word of God. God has given me his word. How many things am I tasting and seeing and am I saying, God is good, he's so good, and it's causing me to take refuge in him. I encourage you this week to be those people. The, the first encouragement for me is to look to the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God, and let's see and let's taste that our God is good around us. And the second thing I want to encourage us with is the second part of this verse. It says, do do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then when we do things without grumbling or arguing, then we will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. We will shine like stars in the sky. We hear all over scripture. We get to be lights to those in darkness. We get to be salt to those who need some salt, right? We get to be tasty to those because of who we are in Christ, because of the goodness we're bringing. How do people taste and see the Lord? How do they get to experience the wonder of the gospel? It's often through the people of God. It's often through us, right? Think of your story. How did you connect to, to Jesus, how'd you first even consider reading scripture or following Jesus or even walking into a church? I would guess a person had something to do with that, that you tasted and saw that God was good. A person this week that has encouraged me that we lost this week. Uh, we lost uh, a few men this week that um, have encouraged me and, and influenced me. Uh, J.I. Packer, a theologian, uh, died this week. Uh, who His his book, Knowing God, it was really influential in me. We also lost two civil rights uh, leaders in C.T. Vivian and John Lewis, who actually walked uh, with MLK, who were actually sitting with him at the March on Washington. And um, interesting, I was reading a little biography about John Lewis this week when he died. People were writing all about his life. And someone said, um, some, their words were, uh, Someone asked them, what was it like when he moved to Atlanta and was doing work here? And they said, he brought a flavor to us that we, were, we finally tasted the flavor of what it could be uh, to see equality and, 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 uh, and racial equality and justice in our community. He brought a flavor. They literally used the words. He like flavored, like we got a taste of what it would look like to fight for justice in our community. I just love that. And, and when they've asked him about his motivation and a lot of, of his friends' motivations in that, it's interesting to hear uh, where that comes from. Why would they want to bring the taste of 
of justice and peace in other communities. This is, this is John Lewis. He says, the civil rights movement was based on faith. Many of us who were participants in this movement saw our involvement as an extension of our faith. We saw ourselves doing the work of the Almighty. Segregation and racial discrimination were not in keeping with our faith, so we had to do something. They saw not good things, and they said, but you know who's good? God is good. And this is not of God. And so let's bring good into these places. What, a, what an amazing thing for us to bring in so people could taste and see that God is good. A couple quick uh, things for us to consider, to reflect on this week before we take communion. So grab your communion supplies. We're going to take communion here together. <coughs> Excuse me. Just want to encourage you, have you tasted and seen the gospel? Do you know that God is good, that Jesus is good? If not, today is a good day to do that, to say, I want to know, I want to know that. I want to follow Jesus. He's the one who's good. And then another question, just to consider, what do you grumble about and why? Why, why are we grumbling? We're all grumblers. Um, but what do you grumble about and, and why? Um, that's a helpful, I think, I know people um, do like daily thankful gra gratitude journals or th things they're thankful for. Could be helpful to, to track what you're complaining about. It might give you some indication of what you're looking for your goodness in. And how could we be salty stars that shine this week? How could you step into a situation and say, I'm going to be salty. I don't want to be a light. I'm going to shine so people get to taste and see the goodness of God. <clears throat> and lastly, who do you know that needs to know this good news? Thanks. Kelly, everybody. Oh, I taste that. It's good. It's a perfect, like, bonus illustration. Who do you know who needs to know that there is good and that his name is Jesus?